1: Hi everybody, this is the Cricket Badger podcast. Each badger marks the track with its own scent. His black legs are short but very powerful for digging. The name badger probably comes from the
2: French word becher, meaning digger. Whew. Welcome, Michael from New Zealand, James Butler from England and myself, three-point Spanish King from Australia. What a test match, unbelievable test match. We'll start with you, Michael. Unbelievable uh, what England
0: just did. Look, it was really good cricket played by two good cricket teams and England played the better cricket of the two. And I think you look at that, that was an outstanding uh, innings from uh, particularly Johnny Bairstow. Um, I'd said before the innings I thought he was one of the guys we had to we, yeah, the two guys that I thought were the big concern were Crawley and Besto, because either of them could have taken the game away from us and Besto did outstanding outstanding cricket and that's why you back guys that can attack that's why you give them the chance because they can win your test matches and and, and, he, and he did the New Zealand weren't clinical enough but um, but ultimately the, the, the credit has to go to England because that was outstanding cricket they played really well and they deserved to win.
2: We'll bring in James Butler, Um, Unbelievable Johnny Best. Amazingly, Ben Stokes uh, hit four sixes, 75, but played a cameo role compared to what Johnny did. 135 off 92 balls, seven sixes. Anything short, he absolutely smashed.
1: They bowled far too much too short at him. Mm. I felt Once he got going, there was a slightly shorter boundary and they just kept feeding him, thinking he was going to make a mistake and he didn't do. But I just think, I mean, it's, fantastic advert for test cricket. I mean, just going back to the day five part of this, Trent Bridge. I mean, they had to make the decision fairly early on day four what they were going to do in terms of pricing at that stage. Probably the wise money was on a boring draw on day five. So they offered um, free tickets. Yeah. 17,000 people have turned up. Probably a lot of those might never have been to a test match before. So that can only be good because they've. You, you would hope they've had their appetite wetted after watching that. Um, but I, I mean, 226 falls. 23 sixes that's uh, the most um boundaries ever scored in a single mm. test match yes. um 1661 runs across the test match that is the most runs ever scored at trent bridge in a test match um yeah you've got records being broken there and two teams going big in the first innings, but always having a, a good, healthy, you know, scoring rate per over. You know, New Zealand went along at four and over for pretty much all of their first innings. England just about matched that in their first innings. After all of that, there was only fourteen runs between them. It became a a one-innings match, didn't it, with the draw for us traditionalists and uh, us boring people, looking as if it's going to be the favourite result. And obviously, McCullum and Stokes and and uh, yeah, d- had a slightly different idea on things. To Michael, um, the emotional side of this, um,
2: I mentioned to you backstage that I know exactly how you feel because I had to put up with that in two thousand nineteen with Ben Stokes. Um, so I, I'm 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 very glad that you felt this way um, <laughs> because now you know how I feel. And unsurprisingly, you're actually doing this um, because I couldn't actually do this because if I yeah. did do that, I would be using every F-bond imaginable. But just the emotional side, um, James brought up a very good point that Tom Latham just went a bit crazy there with his captaincy, just continued to bowl short, ball after ball after ball. Even when Ben Frokes came in, when they did get rid of Besto, short, short and short, um, just the emotion behind that decision. Look, I think that was, there was some variable bounce. And um, there
0: was a chance of a miss. There was a couple of mishits that that Mm. that just didn't go anywhere near a fielder. So you can sort of see a little bit of the rationale there. But ultimately, this is being played on Trent Bridge. It's a it's it's a pitch that has it's a ground that has a short square boundary, and particularly on one side. So if you've got the a square a short boundary on one side, you don't bowl short at the batsman when when there's when there's a batsman that can access that that short boundary on their leg side. You can do it when the short boundary is on the offside. It's really hard to lay back and play a cut for a ball outside leg stump. It's not that hard to ramp to pull a pull a ball around with a short boundary to the leg side. So you look at that and you think that maybe there's some pretty poor captaincy there. I've I've let you know my thoughts on Latham's captaincy before and <laughs> yeah. hasn't been much that's changed my opinion in this test. I, I still think that, that I haven't seen him as a, as a great captain and I think it's part of the problem with having a captain from Canterbury where the the uh the pitches are all one style and the outfields are all big and they are all a perfect oval you don't develop that skill captaining growing up there that you do in Auckland or Wellington where you've got or Dunedin where you've got unusually shaped grounds that you grow up playing on and you actually have to think about your cricket and I think um Oh, look, I mean, there have been some good captains from from Canterbury. Uh, Fleming was there from there. But I think, you know, you actually, um, yeah. Look, it, it, was, it, it wasn't smart cricket for the conditions. Um, there's no problem bowling the odd short ball. But when you go for 59 runs and f- four overs, you kind of need to change your plan. Um, and there was some changes, but I, I just think, look, I, I didn't think it was great. But you've got to say, as far as that goes, the, the credit needs to go to England for the execution, um, because a lot of teams, yeah, a lot of players would have got out, would have held out there. There was some really, like, while there, there was almost every ball hit for four or six. There were good balls in between there that were given, that were that were given some credit. The uh, batsmen uh, didn't everything, and I think you've got to you've got to say that was a special innings from Bearstone. And while there was, yeah, I, I think the captaincy was a problem. I think also the choice of bowlers for doing that. You've got a you've got a, a guy that's tall in the team who is good at bowling bouncers and Tim Southey and instead we bowled Matt Henry to use Matt Henry to do it um, who's not got a great bouncer. That's poor the, 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 you could have that, that could have been done better. I think Daryl Mitchell would have been a good guy to have brought on as yeah. well the pace off the ball. I mean the guy that specializes as a, as a death bowler in T20 matches um, is someone that can take wickets when people are attacking. It would have been good to give him a to give him an over or two, and, and at the same time, New Zealand created enough opportunities. We dropped six catches and lost by five wickets, so uh, the fielding was a was a, was a factor there
1: too. Two things that spring to mind. I mean, I saw Johnny Bursa's first First Last centuries. He took a while to get to three figures for Yorkshire and it actually came at Trent Bridge and he was very similar to that in the second part of that double hundred. He turned it into 205 and went bonkers against some very seasoned bowlers. It was I, I described it as pretty much rude the way he behaved against them because he was just bludgeoning them everywhere. And it's one day cricket as well, isn't it, these days. They trust themselves to hit these shots. You know, rude. they... They know with short boundaries that they can pretty much miss hit it for six, let alone hit it sweetly for six. There was one shot that um, Ben Stokes played off Bracewell, which I think is still going up. It was just a a, a ridiculous six. And when England get into that mood and you've got Bairstow and Stokes who are ferocious hitters, you you can get away from a team very quickly. And I think, you know, Tom Latham who doesn't captain all the time for New Zealand, you can give, cut him some slack because it can be... Yeah, you know, I think they were shell-shocked a little bit by the game getting away from them so quickly. Because, to be honest, I thought at tea and at lunch and probably at the start of play today that I, I'd actually... I had New Zealand's having a real chance today to win that. Um, mm. Because with England's tail being quite long, hasn't really been exposed in this series yet. You, I mean, even today, you know, if they got Berstow out early, folks to come in... Um, and then Potts, Broad, Anderson and Leach. New Zealand could have whipped through that tail quite quickly. So it was always on the cards that New Zealand only needed a couple of wickets and they could have sped through England's tail. Um, it's just they was on a different, different planet today, wasn't it? Hygiene, appearance, attractiveness, confidence. Simply go to manscaped.com, quote the discount code BADGER. You get 20% off, you get free shipping, and you get some seriously quality equipment. Manscaped.com, together we save balls.
2: When they did get our best, I think, I think it was the 25 runs remaining, they did have a couple of chances. They had a run out with, uh, I think it was Matt um, Matt Henry. On Ben yeah, Stokes yeah. and a drop catch off Frokes. Now, if they would have taken that catch and made that run out, that would have made as James, to James's point very, very, very um exciting finish. Yeah. Well it already was an exciting finish, but uh, geez, it could have been a, it could have went tenfold. If those two
0: wickets had gone down, that would not have yeah. been a procession for those last 34 runs. <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. last 34 <laughs> runs would have been and, and and that's yeah, the fielding was that let New Zealand down. I thought uh, Blundell had a great game with the bat, had a pretty shaky game with the gloves, which is disappointing because he mm. had actually, his keeping had been improving, but his batting had been going backwards. Now he's gone back to being a good batsman that can't catch. But I did want to also, something that James said that it was like, it was like one day of T20 cricket. There were four batsmen in that test, uh, sorry, three batsmen in that test who'd come from the IPL. They oh. averaged a negative 98.8 in that test. Yeah, the guys who had been playing first-class cricket didn't do as well. There's a point where actually playing under that pressure, that that pressure environment of the IPL, I think, has made players better at the run chases and things like that. Playing in yeah, playing against the top players under pressure, big crowd, all the noise. What's happened is the players have actually learned how to deal with that a little bit better, and you're seeing that um, those pressure situations. Daryl Mitchell stepped up, um, you know, for New Zealand, and then uh, Berstow, um again. You know, he, he, uh, th- there was there was pressure on, and he just acted as if he was batting in a in a vacuum almost.
1: Um, yeah, we, was- we saw that in the World Cup final as well, Michael. I don't, I hate to bring that up again, but the um, yeah, Butler and Stokes had no right to really fashion that partnership to get back, get themselves back into that World Cup final, but because both have been in the IPL, both have been in similar situations, both have been in front of the cameras of the world before it didn't I, I think for them it didn't feel quite such a big task as it might have done for somebody else not exposed to that kind of stuff and i think they i, I mean i'm pleased today test cricket has, has got the headlines that's going to be talked yeah. about for a long time that match but there's no doubt that white ball cricket he's actually helping test match cricket because you get you get days like that that if you go back to when i was a kid you'd never have had a chase like that you'd never had days like that 220 for 3 or something at close on day 1 was um and fairly normal score you don't get stuff like that anymore and that's you know white ball has a lot of a big part to play in that
0: yeah, yeah. I mean it was it, it was considered it was if you scored at three and over, that was going at a pretty good rate. Yeah, you know, like two hundred and seventy on the first day. That's good cricket. You've been um, reckless. You've been absolutely yeah. reckless. Or you can't get out if you don't hit the ball. Yeah, um, if you don't hit it in the air. And now it's it's all about I was chatting to one of the top coaches in, in New Zealand was talking about the the change in what he wanted to see out of young cricketers. And he said, I don't want to see people limiting their game anymore. I want to see players, you know, that's, you can teach someone to limit their game when they get to test match level or when they get to first class cricket. At the moment, I want to see them learning how to score runs. I want to see them playing all of the shots. I want to see them, I want to see that developing. We can limit their game once they get to first class cricket. I don't want to see that happening at junior level because, you know, I want to have players that that we can decide which three shots they're going to play and they've got all of them in their back.
1: Joe Root was interviewed ahead of, I think it was yesterday, and he he was talking about how the modern-day test player is totally within their rights and has the ability to kind of almost rewrite the coaching manual. And, you know, we saw him just a few moments later flick uh, a paddle sweep into the over third yeah. map for six. And yeah, you know, that, that's, that's the way the game's going. And it needs to as well. You know, if, if test cricket is going to stay alive, it needs to appeal to a younger audience. It needs to kind of get people interested. And I, I, I love test cricket because you invest yourself in days one, two, and three, and you reap the rewards on day five. And because you've given it so much, it actually means more when you see the the final full stop. But there's yeah. de- you know definitely people have shorter attention spans. People access the game in a different way these days. YouTube and various social media and what have you. So you need to have have days like today that excite them too and bring the bring a new generation into the game too. So it's it's important. I mean, it's a great great advert as well for not having four day cricket because a fifth day like that. Um, would be wasted on uh, if we were trying to condense the game into four days it would be wasted but there's de- definitely a, a, a feeling I think in, in England and I was tweeting about it earlier that yeah there will be times when this new positive McCullum Stokes um, axis of power will probably go out there and fall flat on its face um, you know Berster will be out for the first ball today Stokes, will, Stokes won't get the runs he got and England will lose by 150 runs But I think I I actually would prefer to see an England be positive like today and actually lose than have situations like we've had in recent years where they could have chased 270 and not even bother going for it. Have have a crack. You know, Who knows that the last four wickets could have shored up and and seen it out for a draw anyway. But I think there's definitely a feeling of positivity. Everybody lurches far too far in this world. If England had lost today, it would have been back to square one. Everybody would have been... Um, glasses half empty, half empty again. But the fact that England have won today, everybody would be thinking, "Oh, World Test Champions!" Bring on the Ashes and all that kind of chat again. <laughs> <laughs> kind of not quite that far yet. But I think, yeah, it's it's good signs. I think for England that they and it, and it, New Zealand seem to bring the best out of England. Yeah, you go back yeah. to 2016, I think it was. We played a series where New Zealand were attacking. England thought, all right, we'll try and match them. This is the kind of style of one-day cricket we want to play. And then, obviously, both sides met in a very good World Cup final and England have been number one in the world in in the White ball. England have got to find a way to try and do the same kind of rebuilding exercise. It needs rebuilding in test cricket. Still a long way from the finished article. Still a few Mm -hmm. people in that team that are looking over their shoulders for fear of their place, despite the fact they've won two test matches in a row. Zach Crawley Mm -hmm. and I think Jack Leach are vulnerable in that side. But, um, yeah, I mean, you can't complain today. He's terrific.
0: One thing I I think we're going to see with McCullum is that he does back players and he gives them a bit of time. Uh, He's not someone that... Very few players were in and out of the New Zealand team. And if they were, it was normally because they were a stopgap measure. Um, Uh,
1: How how long will he give? I mean, is that Crawley? Has had, I think, twenty-four Test matches now. So it's not like <laughs> his Test career started when Brendan McCullum first put the English track suits on. There is a history there prior to Brendan McCullum taking charge. He's been absolutely. Uh, he, I mean, he's been done over twice in this Test match. He got a forty-something at Lords, where you know he, he actually got himself in and then chucked it away. He could replay Zach Crawley's last. 20 dismissals and probably 19 of them would look exactly the same and that's just kind of like pushing forward and edging to slip how much will Brennan McCullum look at that Michael and think well actually this has gone on too long now or does his tenure start is, is he true to his word that everybody everybody starts from here you're under my tenure now and we're only two test matches into your test career
0: yeah I, I think that's exactly how he'll see it he he'll back himself to bring out the best in, in Crawley so, um, I mean, in saying that he's not the he's not the selector, so he may be that he's not going to get a chance to make that decision. But he will, I'd say he'll look at them and say, "Have we got the the Have we got the the material that I can work with?" And I, I think Crawley showed enough in that first Test in Lords to say that um, yeah, that forty three was a a, a a spicy pitch that he played attacking cricket and it came off. Um, and and that was a bit of a McCullum type innings. McCullum did very well when put into bat, and when there was a bit on it, and and he and he found ways to be positive and score. I mean, I think it's true that McCullum has the highest average in the first innings in Test history in the first innings when put into bat. I don't think anyone's got a better record than McCullum in that situation, and he did that by doing what he's got Crawley to do. So I think we'll see. I think we'll see him give him Crawley a bit more of a rope to to. To, to learn how to play those
1: innings. What about Leach, Michael? Because, I mean, Bracewell impressed me in the first innings. I mean, he came in and batted nicely as well. But he's only been bowling for two years, I think, In the bowling his office for two years. To me, he out-bowled Jack Leach. who has been bowling since he was a kid. Um, Jack Leach, to me, looked like he'd got no kind of variations. He bowled the same speed all the way through. Do you think uh, McCullum will see enough in Leach for to persevere with Jack Leach, or will he look elsewhere
0: there? It's hard, it's hard to know on that one. Because McCullum didn't have a big history of, of trusting spinners, um, you know. I think I think he will give, keep keep going with them for a bit, um, but the, the yeah again, it'll come down to what the things are that he's asking behind the scenes. If he's asking Leach to do some things and he's seeing him do them and they're not coming off just yet, he'll give them yeah. longer. If he's asked him to do stuff and he's not doing it, then he'll be out. You know, and that's um, you know, you 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 you've got to understand sometimes that that you know they ask players to to and, and one of the things he he talks about is that he'll ne- if he tells a player this is the shot that I want you to play and he plays that shot and gets out he'll never drop that player for doing that. Right. It's it's for playing the shots that they're not supposed to play. That, that you know, he said if you if if that's on. Yeah, you know, he said, look, if a cover drive's on and you play a cover drive and you get caught at slip, that's fine. But if there's no benefit from a cover drive and you play a cover drive and you get caught and slip, I'll get upset with that. You know, it's about the decision making rather than the execution. He said, right, we can work on the execution as long as you're making the right decisions. And I think the same thing comes with the bowling. If he's doing if he's bowling the places he should be bowling and it's just not coming off for him, you, you persist. If he's if he's not actually doing what the plan is executing the plan then you go well you know maybe it's time to find a new job
2: you are listening to the cricket badger podcast It isn't the first time that uh, England have chased down a a total in, at Trent Bridge against New Zealand. Uh, if you go back to two thousand and four, um, well, we
0: don't think we're back to the, the history <laughs> of New Zealand losing at Trent Bridge, um, quite a long story in history of the, yeah. the ground that really should suit us the most. Seeing us finding ways to lose, we yeah. You know, other than the yeah, you know, in matches that Richard Hadley hasn't played, and we haven't done very well at Trent Bridge. And this has been a mm. long time. Was looking
2: the played there well uh, I was going to say that 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 game is quite similar to um to this game here uh, I think I was trying to remember the bats so I think it was Boucher and thought that went on to make big scores and they game, not as destructive as uh besto and Stokes um, but they were chasing a similar score line and they got it done pretty comfortably incidentally Frokes um was uh, the last man standing and I think um guy was it was a guy and Jones James Giant Jones, Jones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Incidentally, he was the last man standing in that um, or one of the last men standing in that Test match. Uh, so I find that a little bit ironic that the keepers were standing, and it it just felt this it's very similar to a game without the destructiveness of um, Bairstow and Stokes, uh, as Michael said, you know, because of IPL, because of white ball cricket. Um, but amazingly, um. <laughs> As fun as that day five was, uh, not so much for Michael. Um, the first two days were unbelievable for New Zealand. Um, in particular Michael, um, Tom Blundell and Daryl Mitchell. Absolutely brilliant.
0: Yeah, Daryl Mitchell. It's it's really neat seeing him being so successful because we sort of had we we kind of knew that he would be um in terms of he'd had years of being a good player at Domestic cricket, but you you never know how someone's gonna step up. And they really, he really has stepped up. Well, it's good to see that uh, that he's just continuing to go from strength to strength. And I think uh, Jared Kimber put a bit of thing on that he was the typical New Zealand cricketer. He was easy to underrate. He uh, bowled a bit of medium pace. Um, he's got a. You know, we've got a family member and uh, who's, a, who's a who's a who's a top sportsman. He ticks off all of the all of the boxes, um, <laughs> yes. but uh, but what he what he's done is he knows his game and he's worked on his game. Um, and the result of that is um, the the result of that is he's um, he goes in there. He, he's a guy that's played a lot of cricket. He's not come mm. in as a as a as a as a twenty two year old. And uh, he's he's built his game up, and now he's able to execute and deliver. Uh, and it's it's a great to see. I mean, he's he's scored two hundred and fifty runs in that test, and only got dismissed once. That's a a pretty good result, really.
2: Fantastic result. Um, and uh, the first innings for England, um, James, uh, Ollie Pope, finally. Finally, after getting smashed on social media, getting smashed by everybody, made that impressive 145. We won't talk about Joe's 175 because that's average for Joe Root these days. But uh, Ollie Pope was um, absolutely uh, fantastic
1: yeah. um, in, uh, in this match. I'm, I'm hoping, and I think he said the same, that this is the start now. This is the start of Ollie Pope mm. actually kicking on because everybody in England knows um, how good a player he can be. You know, he's a very compact, very well organised. Some of the shots he plays through the offside are just dreamlike, aren't they? Tremendous cover drive, uh, a little punch off his legs through midwicket, all the rest of it. He's got, he's got all the shots. Definitely got some fallibility. He's never batted at number three, and um, I think um, he's got to come to terms with that and the different mindset. But I was pleased in the first innings how he went through a period, I think for about half an hour, without really trying to score. He left the ball quite nicely and, and dug in. And he needs to he needs to do that. Now the proof will proof will be in the pudding really when he comes to a, a more spicy track because that was a a decent batting track obviously five hundred odd plays five hundred odd um, and he's got all of his runs or the majority of his runs at the oval which is very similar to that. You know, Headingley might be different. You know, we'll we'll see him tested, I'm sure. And he's not always going to score runs, but um, yeah, that one forty five can't do him any harm at all. In the same way, you know, Daryl Mitchell's really. Taken the shirt for New Zealand and um, started to look like he owns it. Yeah, you know, hopefully Ollie Pope will do that over the next uh, year or so and make that number three position his own. Because you know, there's no doubt he's got. He's a terrific young player, and I think a lot of Ollie Pope stuff is in the heads. It's between the ears. It's it's that um, that knowledge that he belongs. That knowledge that he's good enough that knowledge that he's, um, you know, he's able to do that and, you know, that, and, and following the right processes when he gets to the crease so that he actually settles down because he's been far too frenetic in the past and he needs to find a way of, you know, probably taking in a bit of an extra breath at times and just relaxing himself. And I think there was some signs that he, he was doing that. But I, the other man that has pleased me in this test match as well was Alex Lees. Um, you know, a lot of people have been critical of Alex Lees. He's the new Dom Sibley kind of thing. And, uh, And using it as an insult, but I think there's there's definitely a a journey for Alex Lees in this this England Test team. And you look at his first Test match; he was out in single digits in both of them in the West Indies. He put a load of shots away and played within himself and went quite slow in the West Indies. But and then he had a period where he was getting twenties and thirties and not kicking on. He obviously got sixty-seven and then the forty odd today, didn't he? And um, yeah, over a hundred runs in this this Test match. And Definite signs that he's starting to feel a little bit more at home, starting to play a little bit more like I saw him when he played for Yorkshire and now he scored his runs for Durham. Yeah, I think we persevere with Alex Lees. They've got a they've got a good one there longer term.
0: Yeah, and um, I tell you what, I think that, that McCullum will be good for him too. Um, one thing McCullum doesn't do is he doesn't force everyone to play like Brendan McCullum. Yeah. Um when he was captaining, Tom Latham did well under him because he encouraged Latham to to, to limit his game and to find ways to, to, to be successful. And I think this could be... He could be a very good... I mean, he did that himself in his career. He took a time where he dropped a lot of his shots. He averaged... He had a strike rate in the 40s for most of his time as an opener, um, McCullough, because that was what the team needed. And I think he will... Um, He'll find ways to encourage. Look, I mean, I'm I'm talking about him as if he's a super coach and we don't know that this is going to be what he's going to do because he's never really coached first-class <laughs> cricket before. But from just from chatting to him and from, um, yeah, that's the sort of thing that he'll want to do is bring out the best that this player does rather than make him play. Uh, he, he's not going to try and mould him into being a McCullum.
1: I think as well, Michael, you see in football all the time, a new manager comes in and whoever they are, you know, the chairman and stuff, are going to give him a little bit of time. But if the players are doing all of this practicing and the manager's telling him all of this stuff and you start to lose, then that's when you start to lose a dressing room, isn't it? Because you think, well, we're doing everything he's telling us, but we're actually not winning. McCullum's come in and they've won twice, two out of two. You know, he can't get any better than that. And a lot of the stuff that he's obviously telling them behind the scenes—I mean, we're not privy to that—but he's obviously telling them to be positive, like you say, to uh, um, you know get the most out of themselves. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them have said, "We feel ten foot tall," Um, and it's and it's bearing fruit, isn't it? You know, they're winning matches and they're they're starting to play good cricket. So they're going to not only respect him because he was a fantastic player, and a lot of these guys will have grown up watching the IPL and watching New Zealand, knowing how what a player he was in all formats. But now he's come into their dressing room, he's making them feel good about themselves and they're winning. So it's a good cocktail that. Yeah, and in fact, ten foot tall
0: apparently is what he said in his in his first uh pre-match. Yeah. Chat to them. He said, I want you to go out and play like you're ten foot tall. Just play as if you're invincible and see how you go. You know. Um also knowing that he's not the selector and he's not gonna drop them is probably also helpful. Um <laughs>
1: It's going to be interesting to see how that goes, actually, because England actually haven't got a selector at the moment. I think the first this team, this squad that England picked was picked for the first two Test matches. So there's no surprise really after winning the Test, the first Test, they made no changes. But um, I think Rob Key chaired a meeting with four other people, McCullum and Stokes being two of them, and they came to a decision that this was going to be the 13 for the first two Test matches. There's rumours that Ian Bell is being fitted up to be the chief selector or whatever, but how are they going to actually? and fit all of that together, and how much say a Stokes or a key or a McCullum might have in that process. um yeah it's going to be interesting to see how that goes over yeah. the next uh, few weeks.
0: Interestingly, when McCullum was captain of New Zealand, one of the so the 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 main selectors they used for a, for a while was the first class coaches. So he got all of the first-class coaches to say which of the opposition players were the ones that, they, that caused them the most problems. And then they put that list together and they said, who came across the, you know, who, who's caused the, the opposition coaches the most problems? Let's pick those players. Um, and that's how um, that's how Colin de Grandhomme ended up making the team. Not a bad methodology, though. I like that. He, he, they're like Everyone was saying, oh, yeah, all of our batsmen were finding were finding facing Colin de Grandhomme much more difficult than it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, well, why don't we give him a crack? He came in, picked up seven wickets against Pakistan, and um, yeah, like, oh, well, actually, maybe he is a good, maybe he is a better bats bowler than he looks like.
1: <laughs> yeah, because at first glance, the Grant Home looks pretty, well, dibbly doubly, just trudges in and does his bit, doesn't he? But he looks, uh, he he looks completely a... innocuous. Yeah, he
0: he's looks far like oh, better bowler than that, doesn't he? It. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and in fact, you know, he he started out as a bowler and didn't make it, and came back as a batsman. Um, who bowled a little bit part-time, they had the, the decision, why don't we give him the new ball as a counterpoint to Lockie Ferguson? So yeah, had, Auckland had Ferguson and DeGronheim opening the ball and you had the pace of of Ferguson and then it was the then really the idea was just to provide that point of difference so that the batsmen weren't able to settle. Um but De Grandhomme ended up picking up almost as many wickets as Ferguson did. And, and I mean Ferguson was amazing for Auckland with the with the red ball in his hand. Uh he averaged something like 17 at playing at Eden Park outer oval, which is they disregard this the, the batting at Eden Park Outer Oval because it's such a flat pitch that, that they say, Well, if you can't score runs there, do don't yeah, you know, if you run scored there don't count for anything. And when you've got a bowler averaging seventeen on that pitch, you know that he's that he's got the goods. Um, unfortunately, just can't get the legs and the, the miles into his legs to play test cricket. Um, but, mm-hmm. but it was he was picked just to give, have someone at the other end for Ferguson. And he's starting to cause the bats with lots of problems. And um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bold call to pick him, but uh, it was it was through that method of, of chatting to the coaches and saying who was causing you problems.
2: My name is Jacob and I sent the Badger a message. And now I'm on the podcast with this jingle. If you would like to get in touch with the Cricket Badger podcast, then tweet at cricket underscore badger.
0: I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore dealmaking across sports, media, and entertainment
1: that is a harsh lesson in business
0: sports is and not as uh, simple you know as bringing a bunch of big names together i
1: didn't want to do another stomp you out speech it opened so, up so
2: many more doors
0: the show is
1: called the, the deal. deal listen to the deal
0: listen to the deal on spotify
1: trent
2: bolt just came off ipl um he's, he's bowled almost 50 overs uh, in this test match it's quite extraordinary he picked up and he's picked up a five-week haul in his first innings So uh, thoughts on his game today oh his game
0: Look, I mean, outstanding. He uh, he picked up eight wickets and had three drop catches. Yeah, <laughs> he could have had a And and what we saw in the first test was that he bowled with great discipline, without as much reward as as yeah you know, he might have got. Uh, in this test, he got the reward. Trent Bolden had a pretty lean run in Test cricket. He'd been the he'd been very much watching. Southie and Wagner pick up lot and Jameson pick up lots of wickets. I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? Um and he's he, you know, he's had some good, he it's nice to see him have some returns. He, he's a he's a he's a quality bowler, and when he gets it right, one of the things with Tread Bolt that you notice the batsman often has struggled to pick up the length. And it's because he used his wrist to adjust uh to adjust the length more than his release point. So you watch someone like Mitchell Stark, he will. Where he lets go of the ball will be quite different in terms of how high. If it's going to be a a, a full ball, he lets go of the ball quite uh, quite early. If it's going to be a short yeah. ball, he lets go of the ball quite late. The yeah. batsman can pick up the length from watching uh, w- the release point. You can't do that as much with Trent Bolt because they, where he lets go of the ball is li- he lets go of the ball at roughly the same point, just changes his wrist position. And the result of that means that while he's bowling 10k slower, the batsman actually has less time to respond to it. And so you, you he bat, he, you know. I think Ed Cowan said, oh, they say that 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 Stark's ten kilometres an hour faster than bolt, but you face it, you do not feel like that at all. It feels the opposite way around. Uh, because uh, and and so when he's doing that well, he's very hard to play, especially when he gets that late swing. Um and so I think actually England played him really well despite his his great result because he was bowling, you know, it was the sort of bowling that you can run through a team and he didn't do it despite getting all of those wickets.
2: Unfortunately, because Michael is from New Zealand, um, we have to start wrapping up this show because time constraints, because uh, it's early in the morning where Michael is, it's 2 a.m. where well, I am. Yeah. It, 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 like I said, you, you know how I feel how, when I watched um, 2019, how I'm um, headingly. league. felt fantastic yeah. that night, uh, that morning. Yeah. Um, the next test match England take an unsatable 2 0 lead. They cannot be beaten for the series. They won this series. Um, what would you like to see New Zealand do for the next test match?
0: I'd like to see them bowl uh, AJS Patel. I mean, it's, it's,
2: it's been,
0: I think Ajax Patel needs a bowl, and I think Neil Wagner probably needs a bowl as well. I think those are those are pretty important things. Um, as far as the batting goes, I mean, there's no point in making any changes. You can't tell anything from two tests as far as batting goes, really, uh, except that Daryl Mitchell is in the form of his life, and if Kane William comes back, um, you certainly don't want to see Mitchell getting dropped. Uh, so... Oh. What what you do with Henry Nichols? Do you run uh, Mitchell at six and and have him as the all rounder, or do you say to Henry Nichols, "Well, you know, you may be the number six batsman in the world. You may average a hundred against pace, but you've had a uh, you, you've had a bad uh, season. You've had a bad couple of matches, and and Mitchell's just gone past you. Uh, who knows? It'll be a it'll be an interesting decision on that one."
2: Would would is Tom Latham in a bit of trouble? No. When it comes to his batting, this series has been very poor. Look,
0: you yeah, uh, opening batsman batting in England, you're going to get good balls and you're going to get out. I mean, that's you, you don't you don't drop an opening batsman who's got a career average of 40 because he's had a couple of bad innings. A- averaging 40 as an opening batsman in New Zealand and England is 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 actually bloody hard. There's only about four guys in the history of test record of average forty as an opener in New Zealand mm. over a decent number of tests. Yeah. He's in the conversation for New Zealand's second best ever opening batsman, uh, after Glenn Turner. It's yeah, there's, okay. there's a pretty big logjam for who's second that he's in that mix. You know, he's not dropping him. No.
2: Okay, so okay, so obviously Cameron Liveson comes back. Um what what will you do with um Cole Jemerson?
0: Well, if he can't bowl, he's not playing as a batsman. Yeah. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> it's, it's, yeah. Like I know people rate his batting and I think they're wrong. Uh, he's his 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 first class average of fifteen is I, I think maybe is a little bit uh I think maybe he's gonna have an average of twenty ish in Test cricket, but he's not he's you're not picking him as a batsman or an all rounder. If he can't bowl because it was bad back, then then it's pretty straightforward. He doesn't play, um, and so if he's out, that brings Neil Wagner in to do that that enforcer role. I, I can't see him playing. And actually, if there's a doubt about his back, you don't play. If it's one thing, if it was a, a third test where it was all on the line, you'd maybe say, "Oh, you know, where it's a decide a decider." There's no point risking Kyle Jamieson mm-hmm. a, a stress fracture turning into a. a yeah, you know, it, a, a strain turning into a stress fracture is not something you want to risk.
2: Michael, uh, we will let Michael go. Um, I'll continue to talk to James if James wants right. to hang around.
0: We'll catch you later.
2: Cheers, Michael. Okay, no problem. Thank you so much, uh, Michael, for joining us. And uh, for James Butler, um, what would you like to see in the next test? Now, what do you do with Jack Leach? What do you do with
1: Zach Crawley? If we take away what our conversation with Michael and what Brendan McCullum might do, yeah. um, what I would do is yeah. tell I, I think Corey... I know what you would do. <laughs> well, I'd tell Zach Croy to go back to Kent and score some <laughs> runs and work on his game because at the moment he's a walking wicket most of the time. Mm. You, you know that uh, you get to Test level and you face bowlers that know what they're doing with the ball, don't you? Yeah. Um, yeah. Trent Bolt's going to stick it outside his off stump. Tim South is going to stick it outside his off stump, and at some stage, he might get away with, as he did at Laws, get away with um, five or six. Fluent cover drives before he edges but at some stage he's going to edge so Zach Crawley for me is, is mightily vulnerable I think if it was down to me Ben Compton would be the obvious mm. person to come in and get his chance he scored 80 for Kent again in this round of county championship matches and he's averaging he's 70 now in first class cricket so he's had a superb start to the summer albeit having only I think he's only in his 15th first last game but and he's 28 29 is he but he's um you can't argue with those stats some yeah. people suggesting that he's a bit too slow I think he's worth a shot um, on the basis of what he's done um so far as as with Jack Leach I just think he's just a little bit one-dimensional I, I love him as a bloke he, he's almost kind of got a cult hero status in England he he's got the one not out he's got the 93 um with the bat um but as a bowler he's he's for me, anyway, he's his yeah, first and if you actually think of a Test match as having four innings, his first and second innings bowling has been dreadful statistically anywhere he's played. Um, Third and fourth innings, he's, he's bolstered his stats with some terrific bowling performances on tracks that turn in the subcontinent most notably. But if you actually look at him in, as a package and look at him in this Test match... As I say, he's out, been out bowled by Bracewell, and he's he looks like a, a decent batsman, an attacking batsman on a track that's not giving Leach anything. Can just knock him around at will and hit him over the top when they want to. And you need somebody if you're going to be a, a finger spinner, you you need to be able to at least contain in the first few uh, few first few innings of the match. And Leach doesn't seem to be able to do that, so so that's a concern um, for England. Uh, whether McCullum sticks with these guys and gives them this entire series to have a proper look at them or whether he makes a change now. I probably think he's probably, he's probably going to have a proper look at them. Um, Harry Brook might have to bide his time because Harry Brook is, on the, is, is the first cab off the rank when it comes to batting. But Johnny Burstow I think, has uh, meant that Harry Brook is going to have to be a little bit more patient. I don't think that's necessarily an issue. Brook's time will come, and you can't drop Johnny Burstow after he, after he scored England's second fastest ever test century. I think it's only one ball behind Guild. Gilbert Jessup's nineteen oh two effort. So he's just lit up Trent Bridge this afternoon and he can't drop him. He's gonna go into the Headingley test match with a huge amount of confidence. So injuries permitting and Stokes was limping around towards the end of that test match and it's gonna be That'd be a major blow for England if Ben Stokes rocks up tomorrow with an injury in his knee or wherever it was. Um, So hopefully, you know, the fact that there is a bit of a break between this test match and the third test match gives Stokes the chance to um to recover. If he doesn't, it's going to be interesting to see who who leads the team. And Ben Stokes takes two people to replace him. So that might change the balance of the side completely when it comes to Headingley. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Ben Stokes was uh, terrific with the bat in both first and second innings, despite the fact that I felt he was a little bit too aggressive in the first innings. He threw his wicket away when he didn't need to. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of small potatoes when it comes to any any gripes with Ben Stokes' leadership. I think he's been really good, actually. His field uh, placings have been sensible, attacking when he can. So no no problem with that, no issues with that at all. So I think in, in terms of England, it's certainly nine out of 11 can take a lot of credit going into the next Test match. Ben Stokes has been... Very impressive indeed. Michael mentioned that Tom Blundell had, had had some issues behind the stumps. The ball was wobbling after it went past the stumps and um, Blundell wore a few on the end of his fingers. Folks described it as being the hardest place he's ever kept Trent Priest this week because it was wobbling around, but he didn't really make it look that hard. And uh, yeah, I think people are starting to actually realise that A, he's a tremendous keeper and B, he can actually bat as well. You know, he's batted well in this series so far. So, the longer England persevere with him, the better, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, England are in a very healthy position of being able to go to Headingley. And if they make changes, they can make them offer from a position of strength. And if they decide to go with the same team, I don't think anybody could have too many complaints albeit with Zach Crawley starting to come to very much the last chance saloon if he's not already out the door and down the road from that. But yeah, England are in a in a good place, aren't they? As, as I and mean, it's in a strange situation as well, where England stopped now for a, a three-one-day international series in, in Amsterdam with a completely different squad. And then the test team regroups at, uh, at Headingley in a couple of weeks' time. But yeah, England 2-0 up. And both test matches have been far closer than they've looked. But England... 2 nil up. We'll, we'll be very, very happy with the way the McCullum regime has started. I'll say goodbye to you all. Thank you to Michael. Thank you to Lucas. Hurrah, everybody.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.